Hey, welcome to AS, but how are you doing? How is everyone today? Welcome uh, to NPR Cast Podcast. Pretty good. Oh, do you guys know how to find your NPR name? Yeah, it's uh, uh, the street you grew up on, plus uh, your, like uh, your dog's name, right? No, 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 that's her porn name. Come yep. on. What if, wait, what oh, if no, you didn't it, have a dog? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're not going to be a stripper. Um, <laughs> no, what is it? It's uh, your favorite uh, pattern on clothing, plus like a dead musician? Yes. Okay. Yes, that is what it is. Hmm. So, my... Houndstooth Hendrix. Boom. No, I'm pretty sure the uh, the pattern goes the goes is your last name. Ah, uh, the pattern. Uh, yeah. Hendrix Houndstooth. That just sounds like like a public or a private investigator. I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. I'm gonna go with um, keeping in the in the 70s 60s vein. I'm gonna go with uh, um, Joplin Paisley. Ooh, that's fun. Ooh. Uh, let's see. I think mine would have to be. It's the musician first. Uh, a, yes, a yeah. dead musician, dead yes. musician, and fabric. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rachmaninoff, herringbone. Ooh, Ooh. fancy. <laughs> Ooh la la. I think you would talk about Japanese punk rock that pretty much just sounds like Bruce Springsteen and like <laughs> European, like small, small European cars. I like yeah. Bruce Springsteen, and I won't apologize for that. Oh no, that was not a slam. Uh, I once rode from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to Hartsel, Alabama, listening to nothing but NPR. And that's exactly what they were playing. It was Japanese punk rock, and it nice. straight up sounds like the boss, and it's kind of great. There, there ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of with a little bit of Bruce. Yeah, in our a lives. little bit of the boss. A little bit of the boss. Yeah, because you grow up thinking he's like uber like a right wing, or at least I did, and then you like actually listen to his tunes, and you're like, oh shit, this is a dude for the working man, and I mean oh, the real yeah, working 100%. man. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He's basically the Woody Guthrie of our parents' time. That, that yeah. was such a pull. I got a trolley horse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I stand by what I, I said. get it. I I get it. I understand. <laughs> no, I understood. It was just I got to stretch now. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. This is Hendrix Houndstooth. Sorry, I'm just. I don't know, I've had a little bit to drink today. It's, it's been a fun day, to be honest. Nice. Been all right. Yeah. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we're all having a good day. Would you like to have that good day ruined? Yeah, oh you're God. With this goddamn okay. French short story. So I, I have been saving this because I didn't think you were emotionally or mentally prepared. Oh boy. But I'm going to share with you, my two dear co-hosts. And also all of our listeners, the plot to the French fairy tale, Podin. Travis, you may already kind of be aware of what this is about from the time that we lived together, okay? Yeah, I was going to say, it seems kind of familiar because I do remember you telling me about some whack French shit, but that's yeah, just that what you talk about, about right. every day, so. 
<laughs> I spent all my time talking about whack French shit. Yeah. Okay. So, Podon is a fairy tale written by the same guy who wrote the OG Beauty and the Beast, all right? So, Ooh. just, like, context here, okay? Um, it is... It translates, the title translates to mean donkey skin. You have told me about this. I knew I had. I knew <laughs> it. I think you've told me about this, too. I, I know the phrase donkey skin and I've heard it somewhere before and I just can't put my finger on it. Get fucking ready, guys. Because oh, this story was told to me, not in the way that I'm parsing it to you now, but through the lens of a 1970s acid musical. All right? For kids. <laughs> fucking kids so there are some elements that are going to be in my retelling that i don't necessarily think made it into the you know original fairy tale but this is my podcast and i get to retell the story of donkey skin however i want so here we go okay how should i start oh however you so choose Thank you. Once upon a time, there's this king and this queen, and they are totally beautiful, and they rule together in this French kingdom. <clears throat> and one day, the queen up and dies. And before she dies, she makes the king promise to not marry anyone more beautiful than she is. Later, oh, I should also mention that... Um, this particular kingdom is very rich because they have a gold and jewel shitting donkey. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> that's basically like their cash cow is this donkey that shits gold. Um, yeah. Later, the king's advisors come up to him after his wife has died and is like, hey, we're super misogynistic and you need to have a male heir to like take over for you and all you have is this dumb fucking daughter and that's not going to do very well so shop shop get remarried and the king's like all right but i have to keep my promise to my wife so he looks far and wide to find his new bride and he rejects every girl that's brought before him because they are not more beautiful than his now dead wife until one of the advisors brings this portrait from this mystery girl and he's like oh my god she's totally gorgeous who is this bitch and it turns out that it's his daughter oh no wait wait pause yeah he has to marry someone who is more beautiful than his wife or is not more beautiful than his wife is more beautiful okay so that whoever it is can't be some Raggedy Ann Sally from across the street. It's got to be like. It can't be a doll. It's got to be like fucking Princess Buttercup of Florence. Florian. Uh. (laughs) You're getting the gist of the story. Okay. And the only person in this entire fucking planet, apparently, who's more beautiful than his dead wife is his current living daughter. Well, you know what they say. Beautiful people make more beautiful people. I People do say that. Do they? But you know what they say. The beautiful people. The beautiful people. <laughs> <laughs> really, I was just setting up so, Ben to make a Marilyn Manson reference. <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah. You set him up and he knocked him down. Yeah. <laughs> it's all relative to the size of your staple. 
So, as I'm sure you can imagine, what happens next is the king is disgusted that the advisor would even dare to bring a portrait of his daughter or imply that he would fuck his daughter to have a male heir. He is horrified by this very notion. Just kidding. He's totally down with it, and he proposes to her immediately. And I mean, she... royalty, I am me. I right? <laughs> This is like Habsburgs on crack. <laughs> so, so, are you telling me that this is the short story that influenced Old Boy? <laughs> Spoilers for Old Boy. Yeah, the fuck movie. you if you haven't seen it. Also, fuck you yeah, if you have. Yeah, the movie's so old. Huh? It's, it's, it's one of those movies where it's like, I'm never going to watch either version ever again. I'm good. That's that's fair. That is Old Boy is one of those movies that like the original Old Boy is one of those movies where it's like, okay, we're good. We've seen all that we need to see. No more now. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> sleep now in the fire. Yeah. Find find your final resting place. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> you like slowly press the pillow over the DVD cover. Peace. <laughs> okay. That's so, a great short film. Back yeah, to Podan. So the king proposes to his daughter, and his daughter is kind of into it. She is not immediately like, mm, this is fucked up. She instead is like, I don't know, I love my dad. Isn't that the same thing? And her fairy godmother <laughs> shows up and is like, no, it is not. Get that crazy shit out of your fucking brain. Fuck me. And the fairy godmother is like, all right, I have a solution to your entire problem. You're going to go up to the king and you're going to say, hey, make me a dress the color of the moon. And he's not going to be able to do it and you won't have to get married to him. Right? You're going to be <laughs> like, if you don't make me this dress, I won't get married to you. And the princess is like, this sounds like a good plan. I've totally changed my mind on the marrying my dad thing. I'm definitely anti now. <laughs> so let's move forward with this. But well, the moon is like three colors max. Like, that seems like a pretty easy task. You know, you would think so. You got your regular and moon, you, would... you got your blood moon, you got your blue moon, you your blue moon. and you got your harvest you got moon. Your okay, horn. that's four colors. Yeah. Five. And then you have your moon struck, and then you have your moon landing. <laughs> Well, what and then, color is the moon when and then a moon pie. Uh, it hits your eye? And then... And there's so many different kinds of moon pies. <laughs> what color is a moon pie when you stick it in the microwave for 10 to 15 seconds so it gets all gooey? Oh. And a little the melty. delicious kind. But, but you also have, when the moon hits your eye, like a big pizza pie. Yeah, what, is, what color is it then? Is it pizza colored? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Travis, I feel like amore is a good way to describe this bit. As you, in too much. And that people are going to be screaming, amore! <laughs> <laughs> Hire a CW! Okay. Um. <clears throat> Travis, you are right in thinking that it won't be very hard for the king to get this fucking dress together. Because he does it. He nails it. He he fucking knocks that out of the goddamn park. And Hell yeah. if you watch the 1970s version, it is one of the most 
It is definitely in the top three of hideous dresses I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by the fucking weather dress. So the princess goes back to her fairy godmother and she is like, he fucking nailed this. This dress is definitely a color of a moon. It's got like a bunch of mirrors and shit on it. Mm. And the fairy godmother is like, okay, go to him and be like, make me a dress the color of like weather like a good weather day like a sunny day and she does and he nails that one too he's just like two for two on this and so so she goes back and it is by far also one of the most hideous dresses i've ever seen wait 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 i want to guess what's gonna happen next is uh she keeps asking for dresses as a way to stall but really the king just has a second donkey that can shit out amazing dresses. Uh, yeah, Travis, that's exactly what fucking happens. No, that's not what happens. That would be crazy. That would be dumb as hell. Can you imagine? Can you imagine teaching little French babies who, by the way, come out of the womb knowing what the proper articles to use for words are, even though the rest of us have to learn the hard way? You just have to guess, all right? Words are just gendered, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just craziness. French is an insane language. Second only to English. English is also an insane language. But anyways. Well, English is an insane language because it's five letters trying, or five languages under a trench coat trying to be one. (laughs) Trying to be an adult to get into the movie theater. Yes. Okay. So she goes back to the king on the third day. She's like, make me a dress the color of the sun. And he also creates the third most hideous dress I've ever seen. That's Seriously, just a yellow dress. so fucking ugly. That's just yellow dress. It's, it's, you're not, you know, it's not not yellow dress. <laughs> is it like a French's mustard yellow? Or is that condiment pun too heady for you? It is definitely not French's mustard yellow. It is, however, um... It's a fucking lot. So anyways, he gets this dress. Podon is like, I'm fucking blind. These dresses are gorgeous. Everything's awesome. Um, I'm going to have to marry my dad, I guess. And the fairy godmother is like, again, disgusting and wrong. Here's, okay, go up to him tomorrow and say, I just sent a picture of the moon dress, by the way, to our chat. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. She's like, go up to him tomorrow. And ask for him to kill his golden jewel-shitting donkey and give you the skin. And she's like, all right, done. I'm in. And he does. He kills, it's a show of his devotion to her. He kills daughter. He kills the donkey and gives her the skin the next day. And that night, she slaps some shit on her face, pulls the donkey head over herself and then fucking runs away in the middle of the night. Nice. And no one can recognize her. She goes to this neighboring kingdom and she's got like shit all over her face 
and like leaves in her hair and she smells like a dead donkey and she looks like a dead donkey and people start calling her donkey skin to make fun of her and also like she's forced to live in this hovel out in the woods and then one day when she's not dressed like a hideous monster who like chopped off a donkey's head to put on her own head the prince comes by and is like (laughs) Wow, wee wah. I want to get with that. So, <laughs> the prince falls ill and is like, the only thing that will make me feel better is a cake from Donkey Skin. And so she makes this cake and she sticks a ring in the cake and then the prince eats it, finds it, and from there just evolves into Cinderella. There's like a huge, like, you know, kingdom-wide quest to, like, find this girl and, like, people are, you know, to find who the ring belongs to even though the prince already fucking knows it's a donkey skin. She has a very, like, easy-to-discern look. You know? She's got, like, a specific thing going on. A donkey-related thing. Yeah. But the prince still has to, like, hunt her down. And people are, like, shaving their fingers down and shit so they can fit into this stupid fucking ring. What? And eventually he finds her, and they get married, and it's all happy ever after. And then, at the very end of the movie, the king, her dad, shows up in a helicopter with the fairy godmother, and they got married. I'm sorry, a helicopter? Yes, a helicopter does show up at the end of this movie. <laughs> Like a real, like, so this was in the 70s. This is like a Vietnam helicopter. This is a fucking, it's a fucking helicopter, Travis. I don't know what else to say. I don't know a whole lot about helicopters, but I do know what a helicopter looks like vaguely. Vaguely. And it was a helicopter. And he shows, he shows up with the fairy godmother and is like, sorry, I tried to fuck you. (laughs) Wow. We can still be friends. Well, did I mention this was a musical? <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. So, like, this really sounds like, like when the Cinderella element started coming in. That mm-hmm. sounds like it could have been, uh, like, a uh, one movie and then a sequel. Like, she could have just taken the donkey skin and like run away and lived in the woods the rest of her life and been fine. You know, and you would think so. Yeah, end movie. Um, this was written by uh, Charles Perrault, who in fact wrote Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, mm, okay. Puss in Boots. Oh, I thought he'd done Beauty and the Beast, but maybe I was wrong on that. But he was Cinderella for sure. It was Cinderella for sure, which okay. is like, he's kind of like copying himself. Right, yeah, okay. So, oh, he also wrote Bluebeard. The one about, you know, the man who keeps getting married to all these women and is like, you can go anywhere except for in this room where all of my wives I've killed are are buried. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, can you, can you imagine why Disney didn't want this one? 
You know what? Well, we it never saw me. Disney. <laughs> it's let's call up. Let's call up Mickey Mouse and be like, "Yo, we got something for you." Ring, ring, ring. Mickey, Go, are you get there? Get Walt out of the freezer. We've got a movie for him. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey, you're gonna want to remove your mouse ear hat for this one. So get Minnie on the line. I've got a movie idea of the century. It's going to knock everyone's socks off. So crazy. I mean, they adapted Sleeping Beauty. I don't understand why they wouldn't want this yeah. one. Daughters, hide this from your fathers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there is actually an excellent adaptation of Donkey Skin, and it's a book called Deerskin, written by Robin McKinley, who is yeah. a seriously amazing author, if you haven't I've... I've tried to read it, and for me, the language was, like, way too flowery. It is pretty like, flowery. I I understand the appeal, but I got, like, half a chapter in, and I was like, oh, boy, I'm ready for a nap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you are cool with that kind of language, I would highly recommend giving it a read. I am going to warn you, there are some... Trigger warning I'm content. Sorry. Yeah, the, the, you're telling me uh, the story where the dad wants to fuck the daughter uh, has trigger warnings. Yeah, and, it's, and they have warnings. a couple. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I thoroughly believe it. There's definitely some trigger warnings there. Just uh, a few. You, just a few. But uh, it is a really good book. Um, and it's definitely like a more feminist retelling in that like I don't know Poe Don's not just like yeah maybe I do want to get married to my dad and like <laughs> the dad is seen as like a much creepier like villainous figure whereas in the original story he comes off as kind of sympathetic mm-hmm. um, so yeah if that sounds like something that's your bag and you can handle the truly disturbing material that it, that it concerns its souls with I would highly recommend it. Very good book. Robin McKinley is a genius. Yeah, that's Hell what yeah. I got. <laughs> Hell so, yeah. I hope you enjoyed my modern day retelling of Donkey Skin. Truly the most what the fuck fairy tale I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Same. Well, here's the thing. I mean, Cinderella has some pretty fucked up parts, too. Like, Mm -hmm. the original story has the sisters, like, cutting off each other's toes to try to fit into the shoe. And then at the very end, as punishment, the stepsisters and stepmother, like, have their eyes picked out by birds. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sleeping Beauty was like, definitely... (laughs) Anyways, the point is, is that, like... A lot of fairy tales have pretty disturbing, gross origins, but they can be sanitized. And they can be Satanized, too. Podal <laughs> cannot be sanitized. No. Podal can't be Disneyfied. <laughs> I, f- I feel like Japan did the right thing by like just taking it to the extreme, and when I say they did the right thing, I wish they hadn't done it. What did Japan have to do? <laughs> Wait, what did you? What did Japan get here? I thought did Japan or is it a Korean movie? The original old boy. It's oh, Korean. oh, Korean. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, you, bleep, you just bleep the whole thing. I said if you want. <laughs> no, leave it in. 
<laughs> leave it in the edit. Why not? You know, some We're human. people who said leave it in. I watched. Uh, I've been watching a lot of mythical or a lot of cooking shows again, and I watched Mythical Kitchen Hell this yeah. morning before I went to work. And nice. he talked about the time he snuck into Guy Fieri's Fieri. I, yeah. I, I can't get my mouth to do the right pronunciation, but he talks about sneaking into Guy Fieri's eldest son's 18th birthday party. Whoa. Yeah. And it's a wonderful story and I implore you to find it because I'm, I'm kind of here for like humanizing tales about Guy. Hell yeah. Because yeah. he's a good dude. I Guy Fieri is, he chooses love every day. Yep. Never violence. What? <laughs> he wakes up and chooses love. I'm sorry, did something happen recently? Is this a reference to that joke? This is a reference to the good, like, the internet? Because I've seen it on Twitter, I've seen it on TikTok, and I've seen it on Facebook a time or two as well. Oh, good for Guy. Um, but, alright, so he's done a lot for, like, unemployed service workers during yes. the quarantine. Oh, that mm -hmm. is great. And he's apparently just done a lot for service workers, like, since he's been in the industry. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. He's just a dude that loves gross food, and I'm here for it. Because yeah. he also loves gross food. food. Well, and uh, not only that, but, like, the places he goes... Before he goes to them, they are not, like, they're, like, maybe well-known on a local level. And then he, like, basically brings the attention of the nation to them. Yeah. And then, not only that, but, like, the majority of people that are on his show, especially in the last five years or so, are um, BIPOC. Nice. Like, it's not just a bunch of white people going, oh, we fried this inside of this. It's like he is legitimately helping support local restaurants. Yep. He's got a big heart, and he uses, like, every ounce of it, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. be, be nice to Guy. Yeah. He doesn't deserve yeah. all the hate. Go listen to Shane Torres. <laughs> Exactly. Listen to same Shane Torres. He's the first one who sold me on this bandwagon. I I won't knock it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I think I we've had. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, I was gonna say. I think I'm. I was gonna say what you're about to say. I feel like we've. I feel like we've we've rightfully warmed the audience up to get into the episode. I believe. I I would agree. I this, would agree with you. Travis? Yeah. This episode is called Reading is Fundamental. What's it about? Wait, is that what it's called? That's the episode I watched. Okay, me too, but I was like, I, I blanked out for a second. <laughs> Guys, my heart fucking stopped. <laughs> <laughs> So watch oh god did travis watch the wrong fucking episode <laughs> watch like travis has just skipped to the season finale and we're just like <laughs> he just watched the show finale <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah he just skips to the fucking 
fucking last episode and it's like I thought it was the follow up was really weird. I thought we were fighting um, Leviathans, how do we end up here in a barn? Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Reading is fundamental. Here's what happens. It's a flashback episode. And Sam and Dean, well, mostly Sam, is, like, in school, and he's trying to read a bunch of books so we can take the accelerated reading reading test to get enough points to be at the pizza party at the end of the year. Ooh, say, say Sam and Dean end up in a barn, Travis. Travis, <laughs> say that. Sam and Dean end up in a barn? Say it. Say that's what happens. You know, you know what, just say it, Travis. What? Do it, Travis. Sam and Dean end up in a barn? Thank you, yes. That's what I wanted. That's all. Your your service is done. What? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm so confused. (laughs) Toss it from your brain. That's fine. I'll remember this eight eight seasons from now. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You won't remember this next week. Yeah, you're right. I don't fucking... (laughs) I've said this this before multiple times. As soon as I post the episode, it is wiped from my brain. It is gone. Correct. It it lives on the web. My memories are on the internet. So, alright. Well, Travis, I don't know if that happens. But if it does, we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back. We've returned. Yep. So, right off the bat, I want to say... I really... I actually really enjoyed Cast this episode. Yes. It was great. There were some really good fucking Cast meme moments that I could see. Like, as I watched them, I was like, that was definitely a meme back when this aired. Yeah. Yeah. Can you feel like the the supernatural fucking like supernatural has a gift for everything like 2012ness of it all especially when Cass held up the sorry box yes (laughs) I was like oh god that is I know I can open my phone and find thousands of reaction gifts that are that exact scene Mm mm-hmm um, he is, um, Misha Collins does a really good job this episode, and the thing is that, like, Cass has woken out of his near catatonic state, but mm-hmm. he is... Different. Different. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the he's, best way to describe that. He's real chill. It's not like, uh, it's almost like he was in season five when Dean gets sent to the future where, uh, like, oh yeah, where he has his sex slaves. Yeah. Where he's like the leader of like a sex sex cult. Whoa. That is a fucking phrase. Well, casual sex orgy friends. I think Travis meant it in like the BDSM terminology and not in like the rapey way. Yeah. Am I right? Casual sex 
orgy friends. Friends who you have orgies with. Okay. This was meant to be a joke. Anyways, sorry. (laughs) Basically, Cass is pretty much like that. He's, He's real... Real high. He watches the bees. I loved that line. I watch the bees now. That was so good. Hell yeah. How did you feel about Kevin? So at first I wasn't on board with Kevin, but then I think towards the end of the episode, there was a couple moments where I was like, okay, Kevin. Oh, you know what it was? It was his whole reaction to finding out that the supernatural was real. That's when I was like, okay, Kevin, I see you. You're a real person. I am not You're... willing to accept. I am not ready to accept the supernatural as part of my worldview. Is that yeah? That's the most. That freak out. Kevin so far has been the most rational person in the whole show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wait, bro. Just wait. Nice. Oh, can we talk about the fact that this is just absolutely? Sam has made a full transformation. Oh his, my him, god! His himification is complete. God, I saw I that. I saw that tweet before I watched the episode, and it, then I saw that scene when he leaves the tablet in the in the hospital room. I was like, "This is that scene. This is the Sam himification scene." Oh, I was talking about the fucking Metatron. You're saying a Transformer room? Oh why. god, that part too. Jesus Christ! Sam. Yeah. This, okay, so, like, I've been harping on Sam's simplification the entire season, and it's a joke, right? Like, it's definitely a joke. Like, this is a joke. But also, <laughs> it is an example of, like, how characterization just kind of can change. Like, yeah seasons one through five sam was always the smarter one right the more knowledgeable definitely and he definitely like wasn't the smartest character in the show and he often got outclassed wits wise by you know angels and demons although to be fair he didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle he was supposed to be figuring out but he was never dumb he never would say some of the things that he says has started saying this season yeah i feel like drinking all that dumb bitch juice just caught up with him i feel like yeah you know what it was is all of season six sam just had a fucking camel pack full of dumb bitch juice that he sipped on whenever he was feeling a little thirsty you know yeah and then this season he lost it but he drank so much of that dumb bitch juice that he's hydrated all the fucking time (laughs) he's just (laughs) i just am amused amused by it more than anything like i can't even say i hate it because it's just kind of hilarious i mean i will say the Metat- the Metatron Megatron scene was pretty funny. It was very funny, but Metatron, you're telling you're saying a Transformer wrote this? Wrote that? <laughs> That's a Dean line. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> like that is a Dean line. So, not that JPad didn't do a good job with it and I for one am happier happy that he has some of the funnier lines here, but like um. Yeah, I just love it one hundred percent. Oh, yeah. this this episode also brings back the Meg Steel with a force. Oh yeah. Pew, 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 pew. 
Let's uh before <laughs> was... we get too much farther, let's do like a little recap of the episode. Um, All right. Basically, Sam and Dean have this clay brick that they stole from Dick Roman. And they break it open, much to the chagrin of the natural order. <laughs> because as Dean hammers the brick, it fucking creates a nationwide storm and thunders all over the place. Pregnant ladies just pop out their babies. Yeah, pregnant ladies are having babies all over the place. And um, meanwhile, typical high schooler Kevin Tran... not Well, not typical high schooler. Valedictorian... <laughs> Kevin Tran is uh, guy he's who definitely has a girlfriend. Kevin Tran. <laughs> uh, so good old Kevin here is he's got his whole life planned out. He's ready for college. He's about to take like a AP exam or something like that. But uh, he gets he gets some lightning put inside of him. And suddenly he is, uh, I, I guess, what's the word? He is destined to go find this tablet that Sam and Dean have opened. And Sam and Dean can't read it. And while they're trying to figure it out, they get a call from Meg. Because Castiel has also woken up in the storm. And uh, he's great, as previously discussed. He's chill. He's having a super chill time. Sam and Dean go there, and Cass tells him all about the tablet, and um, but he can't read it, so they're like, uh, well, what do we do now? And then um, Cass and Dean have a little heart-to-heart meme moment, and Sam is, goes full himbo mode, and then one thing after another happens, and Kevin gets a hold of the tablet, Sam figures out that he can read it, and then we find out that the angels are here for Kevin. And Castiel's like, hey, it's my old buddies. So uh, the other angels, Cass's old buddies, try to come for Kevin. And Sam and Dean are like, nah, we're going to go take Kevin to the middle of nowhere. And um, Kevin has the most rational... Uh, Reaction to finding out that supernatural beings exist, and oh, whoops, dropped my phone. Um, everything's fine, and then, uh, oh, let's see what happens after that. And they basically stay like hunkered down until, um, Kevin is able to fully translate the book. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not totally true. That uh, Meg finds, comes across some demons that try to kill her for Crowley. And then uh, that makes the angels find out where they are. And they have a little showdown. And uh, there's a little there's a little scuffle. And then basically Cass is able to be like, hey, look, just let us do this thing. And then we'll figure out what to do from there and then the rest of the angels that didn't want to have the scuffle were like okay (laughs) and then um kevin translates the tablet and it has the secrets of killing the leviathan on it and then um kevin's fine he goes back home 
and that's uh, his whole situation. And then Sam and Dean need a special bone blade with blood on it to kill Leviathans. Uh, but when Kevin gets home, surprise, he is... Uh, there's Leviathans waiting on him. Specifically, one of the the guy who got the car dropped on him at Bobby's house. Yeah, Edgar. The end. So, um... There's a lot to like about this episode. There oh, is. for sure. The Meg Stiel stuff, Sam's full himbification, if you're into that, which I am. Um, the heart-to-heart between both Sam and Cass and Dean and Cass. Yes. Uh, that was, those were really good. Kevin's a great character. Um, we got a little bit of stabbing action. There's a lot to like about this episode. Yeah. So before we dive into all that, is there any one thing? Is there anything we didn't like, or y'all didn't like about this episode? I, I agree with what was said earlier about the uh, transformer lining. That Dean probably should have said it. It was more in line with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's kind of the only thing I didn't like. But you know, I, I feel like with Dean, I feel like Dean has a much more personal connection with angels in general than Sam does. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe Dean in some of his free time has read up on angels and angel names. So I can I, I can see a, a reality where Dean may know a little bit more about angels than Sam does. Well, I don't think that's what the scene was about. I think Dan, or I think only Dean knew that Megatron was the real name of the Transformer. I think that's all he knew. And he knew from oh. that, that he got context clues that it was actually Medatron. I don't gotcha. think he knew who Metatron was. The so, my, my issue with the line is that Sam definitely should know who Metatron is. Like, yeah. no question in my that's mind true. about that. Especially, Metatron's in the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I yes? think it's in like the grander, like the expanded universe. Of yeah, the, expanded the universe character. The Judeo-Christian expanded universe. No, um. I think it's mainly in Catholicism <laughs> when you get that name. I think maybe. Okay, but I don't know. The Bible, it, you know. Metatron is not a figure of the Hebrew Bible, but his name appears briefly in several passages of the Talmud. Uh, his legends are predominantly found in mystical uh, Kabbalistic texts. So, he's Jewish. Mm. Um, is anyone surprised? I typed in Metatron, and the one of the first words I saw was folkloristic, so <laughs> I think that answers my question. Yep. Oh, Metatron, his dark materials. <laughs> All right, let's not, you know, get too hasty and start doing the Freak of the Week before the Freak of the Week even freaks the week. <laughs> oh, we also got um, Uriel, Azrael, Gabriel, Sariel. That's an anime character. Hold up. The, the, technically, those are all uh, anime characters because Supernatural is a live action anime. You're damn straight, Skippy. You're damn straight. What I want to talk is about this. What am I looking at? 
No one knows, Travis. You haven't shared it with us, and this is an audio medium. Nanuso no Taizai. Stop. You're going to summon a demon. Stop, stop. <laughs> stop it's doing. a fucking anime name. Okay. It's like something somebody wrote in the Death Note. Moving on. <laughs> One of the issues I have with this episode is actually not with this episode in particular. Or rather, if it existed in a vacuum, I wouldn't have an issue with it. Oh, it's Seven However, Deadly Sins. Sorry, I went down an anime rabbit hole for up, a Travis. second. Jesus Christ, I swear <laughs> to fucking God. I'm trying to make a serious point about this show. We're not, we're not just here for the giggles. I mean, we're mostly here for the laughs. But we're also here to talk about our feelings concerning Supernatural. I mean, if you say Wait, so. the Seven Deadly Shins like the Netflix show? Yeah, the anime? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you get from Metatron to that? Is Metatron a character in that show? No, Serial is, and it was and uh, the name Serial was listed with a bunch of different angel names. Oh. Is there an angel named Serial who's also an anime character? Allegedly, according to Google.com. <laughs> It's straight to google.com to find out more about this. <laughs> oh, I looked up um, Kevin Tran's last name, and he is Vietnamese. Nice. So, which is crazy, because... End of sentence. Anyways, um, <laughs> nothing further to say about that. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, one of the things I didn't like about this episode is that I am concerned about the fact that they were handed a literal deus ex machina. Yeah! And that's how they got the solution to defeat the Leviathan. Yeah, so... We're getting to all like all the beats where I remember why I hate season seven. Yeah, there's a lot of really good bones, and where they choose to place the bones and what they do with them is real dumb. I just am concerned because season five, season five had that mm-hmm. Gabriel coming in at the eleventh hour and being like, "Oh, BT Dubs, you can get these rings and open up this." and yeah you know well, send lucifer back for gabriel it was more like at like the fifth hour this whole kevin tran thing feels more like the eighth or ninth hour yeah it feels just convenient mm-hmm. um i think last episode i ta- or maybe two episodes ago i talked about how like technically supernatural has like before they had no make it easy moments and now it just feels like a whole series of make it easy moments one right after the other well it's the MacGuffin problem it mm. is you're right it is the MacGuffin. yeah absolutely like you introduce this like a badass thing that you really want to show and then it's way too op and then you like you spent this whole season loosely building up these way overpowered like big bads Mm-hmm. And then haven't really done dick with them. 
Well, and here's the thing. They did something similar in season five, but at the end of the day, the hero of season five was not these magic fucking rings. Mm -hmm. It was the power of love. Yeah, it was the friends we made along the way. Exactly. It was the power of this brotherly connection that was able to stand up to the, you know, almighty forces of both heaven and hell and be like, fuck the fuck off. We're choosing each other and humanity mm-hmm. over anything else. Damn. This season, it's like, what's defeating the Leviathans? A magic bone. A magic, and it's got some blood on it. A magic bone thing. And a magic mm-hmm. bone a thing that a magic tablet told us to mm. make. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not as... Um, it's not great. Not, not as earth-shaking. Not as character-building-ing. That's the big problem. And you're right that there hasn't been a whole lot of character driving or a lot of character building it's just been hey look at this shiny thing yeah do, yeah there... do y'all oh sorry go mm. on. no no you go do y'all remember in season five when sam and dean had a conversation with the impala where they were both like they basically were like here are my character flaws here how these character flaws reflect back onto you and we need to both be better about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically Sam being like, you know, I did um, like go a little crazy into the whole like revenge on Lilith thing, and blah, blah, blah. And I am angry and I am impulsive. And Dean was like, yeah, but I have been treating you like a child and, you know, not respecting you to make your own decisions. If that conversation hadn't happened, Lucifer would not have been able to be defeated at the end of season five. Yeah. Because with eyes open, Sam and Dean were able to, like, call on that bond that they have to defeat, hold back the literal devil. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing like that in this season. And there really wasn't anything like that in the last season either. It's really just Not at the finale. It's really just like, here's Sam and Dean in a vacuum, and here's the stuff that is happening around them. Exactly. I hope you like Sam and Dean now, because how much is it going to change? Yeah, I I really, I can really see this not, I can see a very, like, plateau of, like, a character growth plateau in both Sam and Dean. Because right. we're at the end of the season, and beginning of season seven, Sam and Dean are basically exactly the same as end of season seven, Sam and Dean. Yeah. Yep. Because Sam didn't have to change his character to get over the Lucifer hallucinations. He just happened Dean- to have something happen to him that helped get rid of it. In a better written season, Dean would have come to some realization. Well, and then again, so many of season seven's problems stem from season six. Yes. But Dean would have had to come from some sort of realization that what happened with Cass is also his fault. Yeah. And like, that is what the heart of heart that they had this episode would have been about. Mm -hmm. Is Dean and Cass... Like, which I I might be 
I don't want to spoil anything, but I know that there's something like what I'm talking about later. And I don't know, Ben, help me out here. The easiest thing to say here. I hope you enjoy this ride so far. Mm-hmm. Because sweet Christ. There's going to there's like get ready to find out why then yeah and I'm running into the same problem you are Ari. Yeah. I mean so far this uh this season has just been a roller coaster that is just a single oval with maybe a loop inside of it somewhere. Like well, hasn't been yeah. a whole lot of up and ups and downs. So What's, I mean, from what you can remember from this season, and Travis, I know you try to banish every episode, but dig deep, buddy. (laughs) What is the most, like, character growth moment you can think of that isn't like, like Sam gets over his Lucifer crazy, but it's not through any change on his part, so we're not counting that, right? Bobby dies, and this obviously affects the characters a lot as well, but then he immediately comes back, and like, realistically, how have Dean and Sam really changed from this? I mean, really, Sam and Dean didn't really change after Bobby died. Yeah. Like, Bobby died, (laughs) and then they were just like, they were sad for a couple days, and then they were like, alright, time to get back to you know, drinking our dumb bitch juice or whatever the fuck we do now. Yeah. Like, there really hasn't been, like... <clears throat> if if Bobby had died in season four or five, it would have crushed them. Yeah. Absolutely, like, lowest of low points destroyed both of them. Yeah. Well, and here's... Again, they could have done something like... Like, one of the brothers takes comfort in the lessons that Bobby taught them. And again, keep in mind, Bobby would have actually had to stay fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Okay? None of this bullshit, like, ghost thing that can talk to them whenever they want. So, one of the brothers is, like, comforted by the memories of, the like, the type of man that Bobby was and decides to try to, like, better himself in his memory, right? And then another brother maybe goes down that super dark, deep path of revenge, which is kind of how they'd started it, except then Bobby came back and Dean just kind of gave that up. Well, because now Bobby can exact his own revenge. Exactly. Like, why does he need Dean to, like, go down this, like, dark path if he's just going to be there behind him the entire time? Exactly. You know? Fuck. I I really think... I, I think one of the big problems was that the Leviathans have been too powerful the whole season. Because... I think as a reaction to Bobby's death, especially it being at the hand of a Leviathan, Mm -hmm. I could definitely see one of the boys going down basically a suicide mission path of trying to take out as many Leviathans as possible. Yeah. But we can't do that because we're trying to avoid the Leviathans because they're too strong. Yeah. You know what would have been way cooler and like way funnier and would have fit the shtick of this season? What's that? 
let's just say the <coughs> Leviathans were faking their power level the whole time. I would have that would have been amazing. And they're just incredibly easy to kill. Exactly. Oh, like they were bluffing the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that exactly. would have been great. Like they, Honestly, just had to be I would <laughs> that's amazing. You just shoot him with a silver bullet and it would have been fine. Yeah. Or oh kill, man, kill, even yeah. better. They're monsters because they're just good fucking liars. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> here's oh okay, here's something. The Leviathans are as powerful and they learn that they can't just be killed with their heads are cut off, but Sam and Dean just go around beheading Leviathans as many as they can possibly find and keeping their heads with them. Like, just traveling around with a box of Leviathan heads. That would be amazing. Isn't there a movie about that concept? It's it's like Seven Heads in a Duffel Bag, I think is the name of it. What? Yeah. It's, it's I have seven. no idea. I was thinking of it like a la um, Kratos yeah. in the most recent God of War game, where they just like have a... a bodiless head around with them giving them advice <laughs> that'd be great but no it's like one of the head. leviathans turns out to be like super chill and then they like they're okay yeah here we go sam and dean are able to capture a leviathan cut his head off realize that his head is still alive and then are able to like manipulate the leviathan into trusting sam and dean and going against dick roman and is able to, like, get to Dick Roman that way. You know what? Hell yeah. All of these are going in the, when we remake Supernatural yeah. 10 to 30,000 <laughs> years from now. <laughs> Notebook. Like, the ideas. Hell yeah. I, what I think this illustrates is that Supernatural is falling into a dangerous pattern. It's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, pretty much the entire season. And then at the last minute, something happens and Sam and Dean are like, this is the puzzle piece we've been missing all along. It mm-hmm. turns out the solution is go get these ingredients to make a magic fucking potion. And I don't like that. It's not good. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that, you know, we've had two seasons so far where that's basically how <laughs> things resolve. And so, so we find out that the way to kill a Leviathan is to get like, was it some kind of bone? Yes. It's the bone of a righteous man, like dipped in the blood of the fallen. And one of the fallen is, Cass, essentially, and like Cass just gives them a vial of his blood. Right. Um, so I don't think I don't know where they're going to get the bone. Admittedly. Um. So the blood that they need, they need. I'm assuming they need angel blood. They need demon blood and Leviathan blood. They, uh, they need blood for the blood god and skulls for the skull god. <laughs> Did they say in the episode what the third thing was? It's not... I'll give you a spoiler, Travis. It's not Leviathan. Okay. No, they just said of the three or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't specific, and I was like, okay, the three. So maybe, like, definitely angels, definitely demons. Yeah. The father, the son, and the Krispy Kreme. Mm. 
Stuff me, Sky Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's the name of the episode right there. No, no, no. Nope, not that no, one. No, 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 no. Man, y'all are lucky I don't edit these. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, I... Yeah. Let's talk about Kevin real quick. Kevin. Yeah. He's... A walking stereotype at first. He really is. He really is. He's Asian. He's obsessed with his test scores and getting into Princeton. A real overachiever. He's, he's got every single minute of his life mapped out in front of him. Uh, he's playing cello when we meet him. Yep. And other than that, though, 10 out of 10, honestly. I love Kevin. Oh, yeah. He's a great sure. character. Yeah. Honestly, I, I kind of, I enjoyed his introduction. It was cheesy as a goddamn hell. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole, the whole goddamn thing, it was, a, it was like a nice little, like, easing in before the what the fuck happens. Yeah. I can, yes. Yeah. I'm really excited for Travis to see the, like, some other things that the show does after this yeah um i am i just i I, I like kevin kevin's one of my faves of i can't think of the right phrase of how to describe kevin Hmm. but any hoozle i love kevin i love his introduction it's not as good as you know what garth didn't have that great of an introduction but it's as good as garth's reintroduction Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I did like the... I thought of a phrase to describe it earlier. Oh, the the meme. The, uh, like, the gift of... We give you, we give you the gift of mur, murder. Judas, yeah. no! <laughs> 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 of what the fucking the school guy does to the two angels. God damn, that was funny. Yeah. Just him reaching into their chest and basically Kali mying them? Fuck. Yeah. Oh, the Leviathan. Yeah, yeah it turns out Leviathan mm-hmm. beats Angel. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm glad the Leviathans know what rock, paper, scissors is. I've been wondering about that. I, every day I, <laughs> I watch an episode of season seven, even on days we're not recording, and I think to myself, do the Leviathan know about rock, paper, scissors? That's a wholesome game. And I'm glad that question has been answered. <laughs> the Leviathan, in fact, do know. Also, I can't. I cannot fucking believe that um, Edgar is still alive. I thought that bitch died thirty episodes Yo, ago. For real, literally last episode, one of the things like when we stopped recording, I was like, "Oh man, I meant to bring up is Edgar still alive?" Because we haven't seen him in so long. And you have watched an episode of season seven every day and been like, "I wonder if Edgar is still alive." And this episode answered that for you, Travis. What we'll yeah. do it is snooze. So, yeah, I was I was shocked. Well, because I was like, I don't know, maybe Edgar is like just maybe he took on a different form. You know, you never know. Yeah, I mean, he did. He kind of did. Oh, yeah, I guess he kind of did. The Leviathan in the first episode of season seven um, was a little girl and then she turned into a doctor thank god 
um, because children are annoying, and I didn't want to see one in this season, like the entire right. half the season, because the doctor doesn't die until the Bobby episode. So, but yeah, um, what else about this episode did we like? I feel like we spent quite a bit of time shitting on it, so I want to make up for that. I don't, I don't uh, think we shed on it too much. Yeah, no, nah, I fair. mean, like. We just kind of have generally been shitting on the structure of season seven because it also like it is basically a table that is being held up by the toothpick legs that were season six. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of problems that season seven has, I think, can be attributed to season six. I really feel like if you fix if you basically just rework season six as a whole it really would just fix all of the problems that the rest of the show faces yeah and honestly i mean i've been thinking about it recently but i can't even be too mad about season six anymore because you know that the writers had to be rushed to get this season to get season six out like they had yeah to be. yeah because I, you know I, I get it yeah yeah Season six was kind of like a surprise renewal, because um, you know the show was supposed to end at season five, right? So and things like that always crunch down on time. Yeah, yep, that's true. That that being said, the mm-hmm. the season seven built its house on a foundation made of sand. Yeah. So I mean, look at Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven that just got released. It clearly. <laughs> It clearly needed a lot of changes, and still does. And it's oh yeah, work. it definitely needed a little bit more time in the oven. Exactly, yeah. and that's my point: is that maybe they should have taken a year, get some better stuff figured out. Just because you have a cash cow doesn't need you need to milk it. Doesn't mean you need to milk it to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So, you should have. Hey, Ben, we should go back in time to like I don't know five seasons ago and say that to them <laughs> no. guys you don't have to kill this cow no we, let's go back the full eight years let's like, <laughs> at least tell them to keep the idea for the french mistake because that's the only saving grace of season six yeah and i'd be like all right look you keep this idea we're gonna tell you how to redo this and it's you're gonna go into like super stardom Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like when you finish the show, everyone involved is pretty much like a B level actor. We want you up to like A or S tier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Hell yeah. I like the cut of your jib. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, can we talk about um, Meg this episode? Like, holy Hell yeah, shit! We can. Look, all right, look. Even if she's not involved in the episode, I'm always down to talk about Rachel Miner. Hell fucking yes absolutely looking fine as fuck this episode by the way so um rachel minor just like continues to be amazing everything she says drips with (sighs) what does it drip with what's it how is it dripping it oozes with kink yes i don't know travis where are you at with the dripping uh I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. All right. <laughs> um, I feel deflated. Yeah. But Meg is 
really just 10 stars. She spends the whole episode kind of being exasperated that Sam and Dean still don't trust her. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I get her. I get her side of it is what I mean with that. Yeah. Look at how much she has done to help them. And they're still like questioning. They've had way worse people in their corner is my point. I mean, she really, like, has stuck her neck out for Cass, and she kind of has to. That's something she talks about is just, you know, her needing to, like, um, protect herself against Crowley. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of times when I was like, oh, man, maybe Meg didn't completely turn. And she's, like, you know, down to do whatever for Crowley, I guess, Mm -hmm. to survive. But yeah, I just uh, feel like the show kind of does her dirty at times. What are you going to say, Travis? Yeah, I can, I can definitely already see what you're saying with that, because it, it it literally is just a, like, Meg is a demon situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, although I did like, uh, there was an angel, I think it was Hester, that was like, um... The Winchesters and a demon, of course. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a fun little comment. When Dean was like, "Why are the angels mad at us?" I wanted somebody. I wanted Cass to be like, "Seriously, you're my best friend. I murdered a lot of them last year. <laughs> um, you stopped the apocalypse, which everyone was really looking forward to. So there's that." Uh, yeah. No, the angels are not fans. Nope. Yeah. Um, because Dean's like, why are they mad at us? Why aren't they mad at you, Dean? <laughs> so, um, do you want to talk about, um, Dean and Cass's, like, heart-to-heart conversation? And then we can kind of move into the rest of the episode and wrap this baby up yeah so dean is basically trying to get Cass to apologize for how he acted at the end of Mm -hmm. season six and Cass is basically like trying to out zen dean (laughs) yeah Cass's like happy state almost seems purposeful on the part of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like Cass is kind of putting on a front that he's not actually as addled as he's acting. Yeah. And, like, I think this is kind of a way for him to run away from what he did. Um, it, 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 the, the way Cass was acting this whole episode kind of felt like he was disassociating in a way. Mm-hmm. Because... Like I mean, pretty much exactly what you said. Like he's trying to run away from what from his actions. Yeah, and it seems like the only way to do that is to pretend that he doesn't act like that. Doesn't want to act like that anymore. Right. Mm. It doesn't affect him. Yeah. He's he's kind of using that I'm not saying that it's all like him acting I'm just saying there's something more there like just a general refusal to to see what he's done mm-hmm. um which is why honestly Hester beating the shit out of him was very satisfying in a way like it kind of felt like the 
it kind of felt like Dean was, or not Dean, but like the show itself or the plot was trying to just beat itself over Cat, like Cass's head, and just be like, "You have to confront this. Like, you can't yeah. deny what happened. You killed a lot of angels." That comes out is like he killed thousands, and then just kind of mm-hmm. made a threatening speech and disappeared. Um. But again, the theme of the season has been what's a little genocide between friends. So, yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Hester beating up Cass was definitely like it seemed pretty symbolic. Mm-hmm. And because another angel is the only other person that, like, another angel is the only thing that could do that to Cass in that way. Right. So it just it just seems really fitting. So, um, and then, I mean, Dean this episode, again, in a better written season, and this might happen, I'm, I'm, I don't quite remember, but in a better written season, like part of what happened with Cass would also be in some part on Dean you know and so um, I feel like with that this conversation would have had some depth and been very interesting but instead it just kind of comes across like the writers are saying that Dean's right Yeah, you know that he is completely in the right here um, not to say that he isn't, you know, I mean, obviously, like, genocide is not okay, even between friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I wanted there to be more middle ground. Maybe that that feels weird to say, because one character's actions were so heinous, but mm-hmm. it runs the risk of Dean being boring. One note, you know, mm-hmm. I mean... Fair. At this point, he just feels like a walking, talking, angsty, pretty boy. Yeah. Um. Not that Sam's like that much better sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. So. Y'all want some supernatural trivia? Hit us. All right. I'm gonna, I got a question. I'm curious. Do either of you have the trivia open before I do this? I scanned uh, it. I don't. I, I scanned it like right after I finished the episode, but I don't know. I don't remember what okay. it said. So one of the side characters, like one of the like tertiary characters we see in this episode, has been featured before in this show. Really? Yeah. I want you to guess. Let me guess. Wait. Let me guess. Yeah. Jared Padalecki. <laughs> I said tertiary. I didn't say main. I'm not oh, this okay. Kind of tertiary to the plot. I'll give you that. Misha Collins. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. Ari, do you have any guesses? Is it? Could... It's not. Wait, Meg. I've got one more guess. I knew it wasn't Meg. No, I was beating Travis to the punch. Oh. I've got. I've got one more guess. <laughs> was Hit it us. Dane? No. <laughs> was it Bobby? Oh, damn it, I fucking knew it. He didn't even make an appearance this episode. <laughs> he Invisibly sort of did. did. No, <laughs> he, he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. mentioned. He All made right, a ghost any- appearance. They basically were like, hey, why isn't Bobby going to be in this episode? And Sam was like, I don't know, guess he's tired, even yeah. though he's a fucking <laughs> ghost. <You> know, <laughs> he shouldn't require sleep. I'll give this to Bobby. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a lot like their father in that he also ghosted them. <laughs> 
Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Abandoned them when he needed it most. How dare you? That is slander. <laughs> All right. But anywho, it was Hester. Oh. Her, her, the actress's name is Emily Holmes. She previously appeared in Supernatural, A Very Supernatural Christmas, as Mrs. Walsh. I don't even remember who that is. Me neither. I just know it's in the trivia. Was that a very (laughs) supernatural? Was she one of the gods that was eating people? She was not. Oh, okay. Emily Holmes, way too young to be that lady. I think this is one of the neighbors who bought a... uh, A wreath. A wreath. Maybe yeah. like the first victim's wife or something. Most likely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Before they put a Krampus in her style. By having Meg kill her, which again. Yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. Meg just stabs her in the back with an angel blade and is just like, what? He was going to kill Cass. Also, y'all weren't doing anything. I love Meg. Love them. Like the whole scene, and then like their only retort was, "Where did you get an angel blade?" And she's like, "Look, a lot of angels died. Fuck you." Yeah. Can I, can I just take a moment? Yes. And just thank Sarah Gamble for all of the other faults in season six and seven. You know what was not a mistake? Meg's DL. That's true. <laughs> oh God. They, like, flirt a lot this episode. I mean, we had the season six kiss, right? Um, and then we've had, you know, Meg kind of flirting back and forth with Cass. It's been super awesome. Um, and then we had, like, Cass trying to romance Meg. God, I just love it so much. Sorry, I totally fangirled there for a second. I was like, <laughs> guys, I'll be writing a fanfic about this later. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, okay, well. Look, if I'm going to simp over a ship, it's going to be this one. I can dig that. Because it would be delightful. A f- an enemies to lovers story I can get behind. <sighs> but alas. So. I thought of something... I thought of something that would improve the MacGuffins in this season. Okay. Yes. More than one tablet over the whole season. Multiply the MacGuffins to yeah. improve them. I can dig it. Basically, like, put little pieces of the answer on each tablet, and then you have to fucking Exodia them to get to, like, be able to defeat the Leviathans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You gotta have all five pieces to win the game. <laughs> and what are the odds of drawing all five cards in one <laughs> in one game? One in what are time. the odds, Travis? Do you just gotta believe in the heart of the cards. Holy shit, you don't even know, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> one in forty? Are there? There's forty cards in a standard deck. I think. Yes, I think you're right. Okay. Any. Um... All right. The odds of pulling of Exodia is one in six hundred fifty-eight thousand and eight. That's oh, out of thank you. what? Yeah. Oh, because the, the fucking like, fifty-two factorial. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be that low nor that high. 
Yeah, yeah it's a surprising <laughs> number from both directions. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you know. Uh, no, you're I welcome. Can, I can definitely see it, though, and I actually would agree with you. Something that would have improved this immensely is um, more uh, like Ocean's Eleven style shenanigans. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it's been, you, like they're going just, up what is basically a giant corporation that right. is Dick Roman. Like, I agree. Like, more, more like Ocean's Eleven heist shenanigans where they, like, yeah. know that Dick Roman has something and they need to get it from him. Okay. Guys, I just had a thought. The the con team from Leverage could absolutely <laughs> stop the Leviathan crisis. <laughs> Sam and Dean could not on the weekly swindle billionaires out of money. And that's that's my hot take. Agreed. <laughs> that Leverage that's could have stopped for. this in 13 episodes. Ain't wrong. So... I just, uh, look, Sam and Dean can never pull off the Kansas City Shuffle. All right? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no. I, uh, I think... They could not I do hate... the moonwalking bear. No. No. Um, <laughs> I, to, to not harp on season six anymore, but just to talk about season seven, I, I think if you just had sped up the stuff with Bobby, it would have saved a lot of time. Yeah, and I yeah. think we didn't need to dick around on the Leviathan so much because it, it really just feels like the show sleeps on them, like they're always in like the back. For real, on the, it yeah. really does. They're like they're the big bad, and they're in how many episodes? Less than half, I feel like. Le- yeah, and I mean in a meaningful way, and not just as a word or a conversation piece. You're I mean, probably right at about five, yeah. They're in more episodes than the mother of all was last season. That's, that's true. Diff- that's that is a different kettle of fish though. But that's true. Because season six I feel like was just a hodgepodge and I feel like this is just a house trying to be built upon that hodgepodge. Mm. And it's um, not going well. No, I can definitely see it. And I was going to, I will go ahead and say my first thought was about how I was like, I'm pretty sure Mark Pellegrino as Lucifer was in probably around the same amount of episodes, you know, uh, up until his defeat, quote unquote, at the end of season yeah. five. But um, there's a lot of episodes. The thing about that, deal... though, I, I, okay, so like, in, I, I think we let's amend this statement. Instead of the Leviathans themselves being the big bad in more episodes, Sam and Dean should have learned more about the Leviathans per episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say the difference between Lucifer and the Leviathans is, yeah, Mark Pellegrino's Lucifer was probably in like a similar handful of episodes, maybe one more. But he also has the advantages of being, one, a recognizable figure. The yeah. Leviathans and Supernatural look fucking nothing like the mythological Leviathans. So yeah, exactly. jot that down. Remember for later, we're going to be doing the Freak of the Week on them, like, next week. So, um, 
But uh, he also has huge buildup in all of season four, even though he never technically appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the episodes he's not in, he is a presence. So much of season five is way more like big bad focused. Whereas, yeah, you guys are right. Like, there's not enough focus on the conflict with the Leviathans. Um, and so much on, like, stupid bullshit that doesn't feed back into the main plot of the season. Mm-hmm. And the Leviathans just aren't developed enough to really, like... To shine, yeah. Yeah, to be realized. And that doesn't mean that I don't like the Leviathans because I still really do. I think they're like generally pretty cool and cheesy and fun. And I enjoy that. And again, you know, a metaphor for how capitalism is evil. So that feels good. Um, I love the idea of them. I just think the execution could have been better. Sure. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. my thought is, is that my criticisms of the season do not detract from the enjoyment of the season, but it is less good. For sure. I'll give this, I'll give this episode or this season this. Mm-hmm. It's way more fun to talk about than season six. Way more fun to watch than yeah, season six. Yeah, exactly. that is true. There are much better episodes in this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of its faults, it's just a, it's still entertaining. Where season six was like, I don't know, the train wreck where a kid dies, so it's more <laughs> sad than funny. <laughs> Like, season seven was the fun kind of train wreck to watch. Like, like there was a dumpster on fire, but then you found out there was a baby in the dumpster. Yeah, exactly. And there was a fireworks stand next door. And you feel really bad about the baby in the dumpster. (laughs) You're, like, really upset about it, and you can't enjoy it anymore. But season seven is like, uh uh-oh, somebody lit this dumpster on fire, and fireworks went off, Ben. Heard your suggestion. (laughs) The whistling chasers started, like, popping off and, like, oh, shit. And the fireworks spelled out, fuck you. Like, but it's, like, in a fun way. No, they spelled out, eat my ass. You're you're getting punched in the face, but, like, you kind of enjoy it. Mm. So, um, see, yeah. Yes. I agree. 100%. It's just more fun. It's an entertaining season. So, and its faults don't detract from that. Yeah. I will say, I don't think any episode so far of season seven, caveat being maybe this episode mm-hmm. or the Felicia Day episode being more memorable. I, I don't think any episode this season has been more fun than the French mistake, but season six only has the French mistake the rest of it is a dumpster fire. Yeah. I think season seven has like way more chunky, meaty, great bits throughout it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But the first mistake is pretty great. Oh, fuck yeah. And forgives a lot of sins. Yeah. That's, mm. You're not wrong. <laughs> what do it's you think, Travis? It's not right, but it's okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. Just basically everything to to wrap up yeah. everything that we've said in the last like five minutes, yeah, pretty much <laughs> just like 
there is way more redeeming fun episodes in this season in general. Hell yeah. Like, we got Garth this season. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. And Charlie and Kevin. You know what? I would stack up the Shoju episode against the French mistake. Yeah, the party on Garth is pretty great. Fucking A. That, that'd be a strong head-to-head battle over which episode's better. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, sure, pretty much just sums up my entire feeling on this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just it's, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, because like, can you tell it's twelve minutes to one in the morning? <laughs> this is the same energy as last season's her. Her. <laughs> Just like yeah, okay, sure, why not? Yeah, of course. You know what? Sure. Fuck it. Now that I think about it, this episode truly is the like. 8 out of 10 review, but also trashed it the whole time. <laughs> yes! Because <laughs> it's like, we started out and we were like, we liked this episode, and then started to get into its problems, and then came back to it at the end when we were like, 8 out of 10. <laughs> yes! We did that! We became what we hated! <laughs> Holy shit! You're right. And that's why this episode does get a good score for me. It was entertaining. It was fun. Yeah. It had serious issues, but you know, it was in a good way. Exactly. So any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, that was my final thought. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed our IMDB review. (laughs) (laughs) So... All right, Travis. The uh-huh. next episode is called There Will Be Blood. What's it about? Ooh, there will be blood. Sam and Dean become oil barons in West Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Daniel Slay Lewis. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd be cool as shit. Like an old Victorian town where, mm-hmm. like, it's, but it's like, uh, it's pretty much there will be blood. Only Daniel Day Lewis's character is a vampire. Yeah. And instead Whoa. of Christian. <laughs> All I'd right. Watch that. In. Let's do this. Hell I don't yeah. care what the next episode is supposed to be. It is now just the plot of There Will Be Blood. <laughs> except with Simon Dean and Daniel Day Lewis. Is a vampire named Daniel Slay Lewis. I'm in. You had me at the word go. We'll do it. Hell yeah. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen next week, but we'll talk about it next week on Hey Ass Butt. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more from us, please check out our website at habcast.com. There you can find links to our social media at Habcast on Twitter and Instagram and Hey Ass Butt, a supernatural podcast on Facebook. Um, also on our website, just if you're curious, is a link to our Patreon, where for $3 a month you get access to the bonus show we do, um, Let's Shag Ass, where we watch things that supernatural actors have been in that are not supernatural. 
this month we've got a Christmas spectacular planned, and I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Uh. It's gonna be Christmas spectacular. <laughs> they they know what it is, and they're they're dreading it. It's gonna be so good. Someone's gonna be this. It's gonna be so good. Okay. So. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, have fun. And don't die. Bye.